I was um, I was all set tonight to to dive into John chapter four. Uh, John chapter four, about the first fifteen verses is. I spent about a year and a half there one time. I really love that place. That place of intimacy. Um, but the Lord led me, led me somewhere else. <clears throat> Say, that's good. It's good to be led by the Lord. It's even better to follow Him when He leads. Because He's always leading. But are we always following? We follow in ourselves, our own desires, what we think, spirit of offense, you name it. We follow so many things. <clears throat> it was a couple days ago and <clears throat> I was spending time with the Lord and I, I'm probably not going to keep you long tonight, so don't worry. Um, I spent some time alone with the Lord and He said something. How do I want to say it? He said something that startled me. As you know, by being around as long as you have, the Lord speaks to me a little bit differently than He does other people because I'm not other people. That's good news for you. Because by me standing in front of you saying that I'm not other people, that gives you permission to not be other people also. You can be who God uniquely called you to be and you can hear Him the way He speaks to you and do what He's asked you to do, not what anybody else is asking you to do. But He, he talks to me for some reason. I would have loved if He would have picked me to be one of them uh, pastors that uh, is all about pleasing people. That would been easier. It would have. Uh, could have built a bigger work, had more money, ate more steaks. I like steak. It's a plug. Get me a gift card. Hilariously generous with some Texas Roadhouse gift cards. I feel the spirit on that. But he didn't. He likes to speak to me about the problems in the body. And some would say, well, you just have a problem with the body. I actually don't. I quite like it. But he doesn't, so I've got to listen. But he said to me, the problem with my people is they've grown to hate the shadow. And it startled me because I didn't know what he was talking about. I was trying to figure it out. I didn't understand what he was saying and also the way that he said it and the spirit that was behind it when he said it was startling. Is that fair? Yes. And so I spent the last couple of days thinking about that. My people hate the shadow. My people hate the shadow. <clears throat> 
We have become a people that love the light more than we do standing in His shadow. It's, it's what can we do to make ourselves seen. We have a, 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 an entire culture that has created the ability for people to be known. Social media following. How many friends you got? Instagram. Twitter. Used to be MySpace. I don't even know if it's still around. YouTube channels. Television. Ministry. It's become so ridiculously evident that the success in ministry is gauged in the eyes of man by how many people are following you. It should be how intimately you're following Him. But we can't intimately follow Him if we fall in love with the light. If you've ever been in New York City, those buildings are huge. It's hard to get in the natural light in New York City because there's so many shadows. And God is bigger than all that. I remember back, back in my Baptist days, I was real good friends with, with my pastor. I've always been good friends with my pastors, always. I spent a lot of time with him and he told me this story that still stands with me today. He said, he said, I was about to preach at a church and I was standing next to the pastor of the church that I was going to preach at and his little son was next to him. And they had just got done singing songs and talking about how big God was. And he said, the little boy was pulling on his dad's shirt and his dad was trying to stay focused. He said, stop, stop. The boy finally pushed in enough that the dad turned to him and said, what, what is it? He said, Daddy, he said, I'm confused. He said, what are you confused about, son? He said, he said they just talked about how big God was. He said, yes, he's, he's big. He's bigger than anything you could ever imagine. He said, I know that's what they said. He said, but that confuses me. He said, why does it confuse you? He said, because if God is so big, like they just said, and God lives in me, shouldn't God show through me? Little bitty boy. His dad didn't have an answer because his son had just caught a revelation about relationship. That if God be in us and God be big, why would we, would we be seen? If you take a 10-pound weight from a dumbbell and you take it out in the middle of the ocean and you drop it, it quickly becomes unseen. But the weight's still there. All you can see is the ocean. I believe that's a great perspective of how we're supposed to be in Christ. That we have been dropped in, saturated into a being that is unmeasurable. But somehow we still are seen. Maybe it's because we're not dropped in as deep as we think. Maybe we haven't allowed Him to engulf us so that we cease to exist. My people hate the shadow.
course, that led me to Psalm 91. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. New King James. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Under. Not above, not in front of. You don't even say behind. It says under. Beneath, below. A lowliness. We've got to be a people. As the Lord spoke to me earlier, that habitually go after the identity of son and daughtership. What is that? That is a habitual pursuit of lowliness. You'll never become greater than your father. He is the greatest. Why do we spend so much time in pursuit of becoming more known than Jesus? Everything is marketed that way. You need to live in this neighborhood. You got to have this kind of house. You need to drive this kind of car. You need to have this kind of job. You need to have this much money. You need to hang out with these friends. You need to be on this social media platform. You need to play this sport. You need to watch this sport. You need to be in this fantasy football league. What if you just said no? No to what? All of it. I got to have a place to live. He'll give you one. He said, you'll dwell in me. I got to have money. He said, I love you more than the birds of the sky. Well, I got to have entertainment, not that kind. I agree with what Sean said to become more spiritual, we must become more natural. But the natural that we must become cannot be what the world has defined it as. The natural that we must become is what we will be in heaven. The natural existence of the oneness that he spoke of. Guess what you're not going to do in heaven? You're not going to have fantasy football teams. Because he don't care. You're not going to have no flat screen TVs. You're not going to be worrying about your next girlfriend, your next date, your bills. We don't have to now. Because his promises are yes and amen. He said he would do it. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai. We want to read this. We're always talking about Jesus. No, he's not just talking about Jesus. He's talking about you. When you sit enthroned. Say, that's me. That's me. Under the shadow of Shaddai. Here's the promise. You are hidden. He says, by going low, you'll go higher. And you'll be enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai. And when you do that, you will be so hidden in the strength of God Most High. You shall abide. Abide. 
It is believed, and I, I agree, that Moses wrote Psalm 90 and 91 in the wilderness. He wrote it in the wilderness to encourage the church how they should be in a wilderness lifestyle. Now we hear so many times that the wilderness was a punishment. It was a curse. I don't see it that way. I don't care how many theologians disagree with me. I see it as a birthplace of intimacy that we never have to leave. It was a curse to them because they didn't like what was taken from them. Did you bring us out into the wilderness to die? Let us return back to Pharaoh. Maybe he'll receive us back. At least there we had food and shelter. But that was slavery. Well, this kind of feels like it too. It is. But it's the right definition of it. He is a good master. The wilderness is a lifestyle that can be lived and you never have to leave because the wilderness is not a place but a position in your heart that all you need is Him. And if He does not give it, you do not need it. If Moses would have went in the wilderness alone, he still would have never left. Because he'd have realized how awesome it was that he could just get water from a rock and the stuff's raining from heaven and he gets to eat all this stuff and he gets to spend all this time with God. He's speaking from the position of wilderness saying, this is what I have found. I have found that when I sit enthroned under His shadow, I have become hidden. And in this hiddenness, this hiddenness position, I have found His strength. In 2018, I had a powerful encounter with the Lord. I was in a conference and I was standing and in the left-hand side of the conference, a cloud formed in the natural. The right hand of Jesus came out of it and five lightning bolts came from each finger and hit me in the chest. You don't believe that? Ask my wife how different I became. In a moment. And from that moment on to today, it is very rare for me to sleep more than four hours a night. And I get asked all the time from, from my team members and people that are around me a lot, how do you do it? I'm so exhausted. I need rest. This is it. This is it. It doesn't make me perfect. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I found a way to step into a heart posture of setting enthroned under the shadow. And I have found His strength. I have found His rest. Rest is not about sleeping in a bed. It's about abiding under the shadow. So that you operate under His strength, His reality, His terms, His sonship, His daughtership that He has crowned you in.
This is for Jesus. This is the individual. This is for every person, not just the Messiah or ministers. Well, he's called to preach the gospel. He's anointed. He's gifted. Jesus did not say, Father, forgive the ministers for they know not what they do. He said, forgive them. The actual breakdown of the Hebrew of that word them includes all that would ever exist and all that ever had existed. Father, forgive them. He's saying, I paid the price for them to be forgiven. For them to abide in the shadow. The further you get out of the shadow, the harder it is for you to operate. Because you're called to exist in the shadow. That is your existence. All the Scriptures. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. The dove descends and lands upon His head. He immediately is led into the wilderness by the Spirit and fasts for 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, He is hungry and Satan shows up to tempt Him. All of the Scriptures that were used by Jesus and Satan in the wilderness during this temptation from Psalm 91. All of them. You can look it up. Dwells. We must dwell. What does it mean to dwell? It means to sit down. To remain. You're never going to get this if you don't start redefining the words that the world has told you what they mean. What do you mean by that? Remain means to remain. Yeah, but you've never done it. You've never remained in anything. You're always looking for the next best thing because the world has taught you to do it. Remain means to never leave no matter what happens, no matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter. I was talking with someone the other day and they was asking a question. I can't remember what they asked, but I told them, I said, I said, if Jesus descended right now into this room and He killed me and you, would He be wrong? No, He wouldn't. If he caused a tornado to come through this building and knock it down and kill everyone in here, would he be wrong? No, he wouldn't. He can't be wrong. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what he says. You're to obey and fall under the fact that you were bought with the price and you are no longer your own. Now, I hope he don't do that. But if he does, we can just continue in heaven. I hope you make it. To remain. To settle in the sense of taking up a homestead. Of staking out a claim and resisting all claim jumpers. To possess a place and live therein. To dwell means to possess. But the only way to possess Jesus is to be possessed by Him. We hear about possession, exorcism, demonic possession. It's for Jesus first. It's the reason it existed. Satan just manipulated everything that had been created because he can create nothing. 
So he took everything that he learned as a cherub walking back and forth in front of the throne room because other than Jesus, he probably knew the most. And he goes, okay, I've seen the structure of heaven, I'll make it in hell. I've seen the words of heaven, I'll make it for me. He said, if God can possess, I'll possess. He manipulated the creation. But the possession is for Jesus. To be possessed by Him. I long for it. There's probably not one time that I've seen a demon-possessed person in the way that the demon possessed them and made them do things that I didn't long for Jesus to possess me that way. I've even looked at them before and said, God, why don't you do that to me from you? I begged for him to take my free will. Just, Just make me a monkey, Lord. Make me a robot, whatever you want. His answer was the same. He said, if I made you, it would not be love. You have to choose it. You have to choose to dwell. You have to choose to possess and be possessed by. And it's not an everyday thing. It's the every second of everyday thing. Every second conscious of the fact that you get to live in the presence or not live. Because those are the two options. We're always either living in the presence or not living in the presence. That's the only two options. We must covet and go after the secret place. The place of covering, the place of hiding. We must submit to His defense and protection. The moment that you try to do it, you just stepped out of His defense and His protection. Jesus said, apart from Me, you can do nothing. He didn't say, apart from Me, you can't do anything because we do a lot of things without Him. But what He was saying is, apart from Me, apart from abiding in Me and only doing what I tell you to do, what you do will amount to nothing because it shall pass away. Under the shadow we will experience a refuge and hiding place. A fortress or a place of protection. We will experience God truly. And we will experience His faithfulness. We will step into a trust and a place of security. But when you try to do it your way, when you want to be known, when you want to build your kingdom, when you're worried about what are the Baptists going to think about me because I've been with them for years, the Methodists, the Pentecostals, the Charismatic. I didn't hear Jesus talk about any of them on the cross. He was not focused on the eyes of man. He was focused on the eyes of His Father. That's why he said, why have you forsaken me? He realized that he had stepped away because that's where his focus was. If you're worried about what your current friend group is going to think about you, then you're not focusing on him. Because they're probably wrong. And compared to him, I know they are. 
What, what are you saying? I'm, I'm saying we've got to come into a place to where we're going to seek His face no matter the cost. If Moses wrote Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, he was writing from a position of understanding that I asked to see His glory and when He told me it would kill me, I said I don't care. He said, we will not go up from this place unless you go with us. He said, we'll stay here and die if your presence does not go with us. And right before that, God had already told him, I will go with you. But Moses wanted to be reassured, I'm not going anywhere unless your presence is going with me. I I know you said it, but let me reaffirm it. Let me reaffirm and make sure that the place that we're headed, your presence wants us to go there. Because if it doesn't, we're not going, we'll stay here and die in the presence. Only He satisfies. Jesus, I thank You for this. I thank You for this trajectory. I thank You that You have been building us up like on a slingshot, Lord. You're pulling us back and the trajectory that You want us to go and it's not up but down. That it's a lowliness, a heart of humility and understanding that only under the shadow can we exist. That it's never to be seen or heard or to be known but that You be magnified. That You be glorified. That You have Your way. And may we never live from situation to situation, but we live from Your situation. We live from Your position and Your place. That You are enough. You wind the hands of time. You place the clouds in the sky. You know the stars by name. And if we but just go low and dwell in the shadow, we have no worry, no doubt, no anxiety, no problem. Lord, I thank You that we have no problems. And even as I say that people are thinking of the problems, you don't have any problems, you just need more faith. Because He said it. He promised We thank You for Your promise. We thank You for Your love, Lord. Move in this place. Move in this city. Move in these homes. Move in these schools, Lord. And begin to flip places upside down and change the way that we've been doing things and make it right, Lord. Make Rome, Georgia the prototype for what You're going to do in every city across the world. Change it for your glory. Not for no man, not for no identity, not for no denomination, Lord, but for you to have a resting place to where your shadow can reside and people will come to abide. Do it in me first, Lord. Do it in me first, Lord.
I pray you encounter them all, Lord, but encounter me first. Jesus, we love you. We bless you. Amen. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you've backslidden and you need to get that right, now's the time. I want to talk with you. I want to pray with you. I want to love on you. If that's you, come forward. I'll be here for a little bit. Bless you.